All right. Well, welcome again to Abounding Love Podcast. My name is Dave Nelson. We are continuing on in our study through the book of Acts. We find ourselves on this podcast at Acts chapter 17. So I encourage you to grab your Bibles and open them up there to Acts chapter 17. We finished up with Acts 16 the last time we were together on a podcast. And Paul and Silas are continuing on on yet another missionary journey. We studied about all the things that took place in Philippi in chapter 16, and now they're headed to Thessalonica. So with your Bibles open, hopefully we're ready to go. We'll go ahead and start with verse 1. It says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went in to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. So, we see that Paul, we know that Paul had that custom as we've been studying through the book of Acts. Every city in which Paul would go into, he would go into the synagogue and and preach to them. But here we get a little insight as to what it was he actually did and, and said to them. He reasoned with them from the scriptures and he demonstrated the suffering of Jesus Christ, which is Jesus's crucifixion, right? And he also talked to them about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And you know, for you and I here on the earth today, the same thing is necessary. We need to understand from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ and that he was crucified, dead and buried and rose again from the dead. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that Paul preached. And it's the gospel that that in order to be born again, you and I need to receive. And it's also the gospel that once we are born again, we need to take to others and preach to others. The only way that any human being on the face of the earth today can be saved is by this gospel. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. There is salvation in no other name, and there is no other gospel other than this one. Now, we've talked about this scripture in the past, but Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Then Paul, when he was speaking to the, uh, the people of Galatia in chapter uh, 1 of Galatians, he said that if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So you see, the way to heaven is narrow. There's only one way. Jesus is the only way. But the way to heaven is sure and secure in Jesus Christ. Today, many travel the world preaching different gospels, and some peddle what they call an additional gospel. But Jesus is the only way. Jesus said of himself in John chapter 4, verse 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Now, I know that this really bothers a lot of people that hear this message. They say that Christians are narrow-minded. Well, the fact of the matter is that the God we served, or that we serve, 
loves us so much that he gave us one way to get to him. He didn't make multiple ways that would cause confusion. He made the way to heaven very plain and simple. He sent his one and only son to die for the sin of the world. And now whosoever will believe on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is the message Paul preached wherever he went, and it is the same message that we have today. God is unchanging, and Jesus is the only way to eternal life in heaven. Look at verse 4. And some of them were persuaded. Notice there the word some. Not everyone will receive the gospel. Not everyone receives it. Not everyone of you that are listening to what I'm saying right now likes it. It makes you angry. It makes you say, why do they think there's only one way? Why do they think their way is right? Well, read the Bible for yourself, as you are doing now. Study it, though. Study it from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. And if you're new to to studying the Bible, I really suggest you begin in the New Testament. But open your heart to find out who the God of all creation is and to find out what what he desires for your life. And and God will reveal himself to you in Jesus Christ. Okay, continuing on in verse four there again, it says, and some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. You know, that there brings to mind a scripture from uh, Galatians chapter three. Um, Galatians 3.28. It says that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, anyone can come to faith in Jesus Christ. No one is excluded. And not one person is above another. Some of the leading women came to Christ, and so did the devout Greeks. People come from all walks of life to faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, But the Jews who were not persuaded, um, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But I kind of paused there because something came to mind when I said there at the beginning of verse five, but the Jews who were not persuaded, you know, we talked about this on the last podcast, I believe, but Romans 11.25 says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So even in this day and age that we now live in, not many Jews are persuaded to come to Christ. But during the days of the early church, the Jews were a very religious people, as they still are today. And now Christianity has come onto the scene and the Jews didn't like it. And they didn't like it that they were proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't buy that. They didn't want to hear that. So they became envious. And, you know, typically when someone attacks someone else, it usually stems from envy. 
They don't like the fact that someone else is getting attention or, or, or what they see is someone's gaining ground over them or moving into their territory, whatever it may be. But we must always keep in mind that Ephesians 6.12 says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. People attack, but behind these attacks is usually something very similar to envy that causes them to do that. And anytime the Holy Spirit is doing something new, the enemy will attack. Man-made religion doesn't like new things. Man-made religion wants things to stay within its control or under its system. And when I say man-made religion, yeah, I'm talking about, you know, the control that some uh, church leaders want to have. You know, they want to make sure there's only a certain number of churches in their area or or they want to make sure that if you're part of their group or whatever it may be. But there's also religion that we set up in our minds. We set up in our hearts as men and women to where we say, you know, this is the way I think things are. This is the way I think things should be. And nothing is going to change this. Well, you got to be careful with that because the Holy Spirit desires to do a work in your life. And many of you that are listening to these podcasts, I know, are just growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit desires to do something within you. It's a new thing. But don't get caught up in tradition. Don't get caught up in the past. Don't get caught up in bondage. Because as you study through the Bible, especially when you go and you read the book of Galatians, you you see where... The people of Galatia had fallen into a bondage of getting getting themselves back under religion. And if we're not careful, we create our own little, what I've referred to in the past as God boxes where, you know, hey, you, you got to come fellowship at our church. We got a little bit of this for you. We got a little bit of that for you. We got a place for your kids. We got a place for your youth. We got a place to have a picnic. We've got everything here. Come on, but be careful because your spiritual walk has nothing to do with man-made anything. Your spiritual walk has to do with you and Jesus Christ, Christ in you, your hope of glory. And, And he desires to do a work within your heart. He desires to see you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of him. And that won't come from even listening to this podcast. Believe me, I don't claim that this podcast is anything special. I will, will, You've heard me say this before, and I know it's a broken record on this podcast in many ways, but read the Bible for yourself. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we go on, because we're going to see an example of that. But the point here is when we are attacked, the easiest thing to desire to do is to attack back. But if we're spiritually minded, we will not attack back we will realize that this is a spiritual thing and that we can trust in God and just continue to follow Him and He will work all things out for our good. That's His desire. He doesn't want us getting caught up in becoming stone throwers ourselves where we're attacking others that are attacking us. So when you go through things in your life, 
when you go through trials and tribulations as we as we see Paul and Silas and Paul and Barnabas many in the New Testament suffered and uh, and, and uh, you know Jesus himself is our example he suffered but he reviled not back so just press on focus on Jesus and press on press on toward that mark of your high calling in Christ and don't get caught up in bickering with those that have attacked you just move on. In some cases, Satan will drag you through the mud and beat you bad, but you must press on. Look at verse 6. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king. You see, the early church was often accused of that, turning the world upside down. But in reality, they were turning the world right side up. They were bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ into a lost and a dying world. You know, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So who is this God of this world that's blinding the minds of those that don't believe? It's Satan. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Remember, his main goal is to keep people from knowing Jesus. So, He'll do anything to tear down churches or, or, or people that are out spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this, fo- and this follower of Jesus here, Jason, he, he's been drugged through the streets and beaten for his faith in Jesus Christ. And the people that beat him brought a false charge against him. It says that in verse 8, And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So after all that, Jason was fined and let go. Took some security from him, it says. Probably was a fee that, that he had to pay. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, I absolutely love this verse. No matter what, no matter what the the early believers went through, they just continued to do what it was that they were called to do. If it didn't kill them, it made them stronger. You know, and that's why we use that word. That's why the script, we see it in the scripture, but you'll hear me use it. Press on. It's a fight. Attacks may come from all different directions when you're trying to spread the gospel. And, and, and for those of you that are listening that are just coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and Lord, as Lord and Savior, attacks will come to distract you from believing what you're reading in the scriptures. But now Paul and Silas, they've come upon a good group of people. Look at verse 11. They've come to Berea, right? And verse 11 says... These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. 
You know, this is a characteristic that every one of us needs. We need this kind of characteristic. We need to be known for searching the scriptures daily. It's a sad thing, but it appears that the majority of so-called Christianity in America today is content with just sitting in the pews or the chairs of a church building and allowing a man, or in some cases a woman, whomever, to teach them. And that is the extent of their walk with the Lord. This is not right. You should never just receive what a man is telling you. You need to search the scriptures for yourselves. Otherwise, all you have done is heaped up for yourself teachers that say the things you want to hear. Jesus is the Word made flesh. We have the Word in our Bibles, and we need to know it for ourselves personally. I think this is an important topic, so let's uh, stick with it for a second. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. So turn toward the back of your Bibles from where we currently are. 2 Timothy is right before Titus and right before 1 Timothy. Go ahead and turn there. All the T's are conveniently together in your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll begin in verse 1. It says, I charge thee therefore before God, And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Today, many churches in America are filled with people that are satisfied with hearing someone speak to them. And they're satisfied with just attending a nice little social club. They say things like, he's a great teacher, or she's a great teacher, or he's my pastor. I just follow what the pastor says to do. But the Word of God does not call us to follow men. It calls us, first of all, to sound doctrine. Where is the only place to find sound doctrine? The B-I-B-L-E, right? The Bible. That's what you need to be standing upon. Okay, And do you know what that word fables means there in verse 4? It means a narrative story. Look it up. Get yourself a concordance and look it up and see what that word fables means. It's a, it's a, a narrative story. So in other words, in the last days, it says rather than listening to the sound doctrine of the word of God, they would rather have stories or movies or, or plays speak to them. Or they'd rather just have some guy get up that, that really doesn't feed them any meat, doesn't, you know, stir them to righteousness and holiness, doesn't stir them to get out of their seats. Is that where we're supposed to be as a church? But this is what many churches in America are all about. The mega churches are packing them in like super Walmarts. 
and the smaller churches are trying to keep up by pouring thousands of dollars into building programs and landscaping. Christians are flocking to so-called Christian movies, and most of us Christians today don't look any different than the rest of the world. We're far from being accused of turning the world upside down. And we wonder why we are dying spiritually and our children are choosing to walk in the world rather than being a part of the body of Christ. I know that's hard hitting. I I can't point a finger at you. All of this falls on all of us. But as we study through the book of Acts, we're being stirred. We're being stirred to rise up, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and be the church, the, the body of believers that the early church was, filled with the Holy Spirit, reaching out to others in love, getting up out of our pews. Praise God for churches that are teaching the Word. Thank God for that. That's awesome. You know, I, I would never tell you to not be involved in a church. What I'm, I'm just taking it back a little bit, a little bit deeper to say, where's your heart? Where is your heart? Is your heart based on your church? Is your heart based on that fellowship that you have there? Or is your heart rooted and grounded in sound doctrine? That's the point. That's the point that I'm trying to make here. And with these people of Berea that search the scriptures daily, what happened? What happened when you what happens when you search the scriptures? Turn back to Acts chapter 17 if you're not already there. What's the result of searching the scriptures? Acts chapter 17, verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. When people read the word of God for themselves, they will come from all walks of life to faith in Jesus Christ. But this doesn't stop the God of this world, the little G, not the capital G God. I'm talking about the little G God of this world. He won't stop from doing his work through other people. Verse 13 there says, But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. You know, if you really think about it, why do you think that people would be against the preaching of the Word of God? Why why would they? Why would they be against the preaching of the Word of God? I really believe it's a spiritual thing. You're familiar with this scripture, I'm sure, but let's go ahead and turn there. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I know that we've already looked at this scripture. We, at least I, I quoted this scripture. But I really, uh, I really want to drive this point home on this podcast. Uh, because of the, you know, what we're seeing in the context of chapter 17. But verse 12, I want you to go ahead and, and, and read this scripture for yourself. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And here again, we need to be mindful of this fact. A large amount of our battles have nothing to do with people. In many cases, our battles are spiritual. And we need to be spiritually armed and ready. And verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, this spiritual battle is real. And it's so real that we have to be ready for it. We have to be prepared. We have to be armed. And the offensive weapon that that is a part of this armor of God is the Word of God. The Bereans search the Scriptures daily. We need to be in the Word of God daily because we do not fight a physical enemy that we can reach out and touch. And even when it appears that our enemy is in a physical body, the enemy is greater than that. And we need to fight the battle spiritually. Okay? So now back in Acts chapter 17. We'll continue on, picking up in verse 14. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a command from Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. So Paul escaped the persecution, and when the coast was clear, he sent for Silas and Timothy. How many of us today are being persecuted like this. We're really not, are we? Not many here in America. Praise be to God. Thank God, though, for men and women that have given their lives for us to have the Word of God today. Verse 16, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. You know, as I read this, a question comes to my mind. Do I get troubled within my spirit when I see that the world around me is given over to idols? Has the church today, the body of Christ, become so spiritually dull that we don't even notice anymore that there's a difference between us as born-again followers of Jesus and the rest of the world? And are we taking the time anymore to explain the kingdom of God to the lost and the dying world around us? Just a thought to think about. 
Verse 17, therefore he reasoned in the synagogue, synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. You know, in many ways, philosophy has entered into the body of Christ today, the church. It, it becomes all about how you feel and your positive outlook on life, as opposed to to being all about a life that is based on the sound doctrine of the Word of God. Many Christians do not even read the Word of God. That is why gathering together is so important. But this cannot be a substitute for your own personal study time. You will not grow spiritually unless you are feeding regularly on the Word of God. I want to repeat that. You will not grow spiritually unless you are feeding regularly on the Word of God. 1 Peter 2.2 says that we are to desire the milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. Now, that's so important. It's, I can't state it enough. Get in your Bible, study it, read the Word, get rooted and grounded in sound doctrine. Let the Word of God do within your heart what only it can do. Don't listen to just the philosophies of men, the teaching of men. Study the Word for yourself. But now, Paul You know, he wasn't very well received amongst this group of philosophers. Look at verse 19. And they took him and they brought him to Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? For you are bringing some strange things into our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. So Paul finds himself in a place, he's in Athens, where there are many different viewpoints about life and the existence of God. Sounds a lot like our country, doesn't it? Well, let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. Keep your finger here in the book of Acts. And go ahead and turn toward the right, toward the back of your Bible. And you'll find Colossians chapter 2. Let me get there myself. Colossians is right after the book of Philippians and right before the book of 1 Thessalonians. Okay, so Colossians chapter 2. And we'll start reading in verse 4. It says, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. You see, we need to be very careful of this. Because even within American Christianity, there are men and women with very persuasive words. But when you get the Word of God out and you study it for yourself you find that what they are saying does not line up. So always test what you hear. That includes whatever you hear on this podcast. 
Test it. You have a personal relationship with the Lord. You have a personal walk with Him. His Holy Spirit indwells you. If so, you have given your life to Jesus Christ. Verse 5, look at verse 5 there. It says, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You know, 2 Timothy 2.15 says that we are to be diligent to present ourselves approved to God. Workers who do not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't know the word of God for yourself, you will open up yourself to being persuaded in the wrong direction. The church... The body of Christ is supposed to be made up of people that are born again, that have a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We are not to be followers of men and women. Pastors and teachers are in the body of Christ and they exist to encourage and and to strengthen our faith. But unfortunately today, it seems that the church is full of pew potatoes. People that are just content with sitting around and listening to the philosophies of men and women rather than being rooted and grounded in the Word of God themselves. Verse 8 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. You know, I quote that verse often. We are complete in Jesus Christ. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus Christ, and we have Christ in us, and we need nothing else. We especially do not need the philosophies and the tradition of men and the principles of this world. We just need Jesus. When they come to your door with their traditions, telling you that there is more that you can know, you just need to lovingly assure them that you have all you need in Jesus Christ. And if today you're listening to this podcast and and uh, you're distracted by other things that are outside of Christ, and maybe you're feeling empty. Maybe you're feeling tired, run down. Just turn your eyes. Just get focused again. Turn your eyes back upon Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Him. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. And the work that He begun in you, He will be faithful to complete it. Okay, so looking back now in Acts chapter 17, we'll pick it up in verse 22. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Aeropagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. 
For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. So Paul is pointing out to them that there is a God, the God of all creation, that they don't know. But they can. They can know know this God for themselves. Verse 24, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life and breath and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on earth all the face of the earth. You know, every person on the face of the earth today has come from one blood. We are all Adam's bloodline. Verse 26, continue on there, says, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. You know, when I read that part of that verse there, it brings to mind James 4. Uh, James 4, around verse, I believe it's James 4, 13. It says, Come now, you who say to today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. You know, God knows the amount of time we have here on this earth, and He knows where He wants us to be. We simply need to submit and trust in Him in all things. Verse 27, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for and find Him though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. You know, in him we live and move and have our being. Jesus holds all things together. By him all things consist. And he's right there. He's as close as our breath. We can call out to him. He's not far from each one of us, says there in verse 27. Verse 29 says, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. You see, When we sit around and we create a God through our thoughts and we become kind of like these men in Athens, you know, just sitting around creating our own gods, you know, we end up with a bunch of different gods to worship that we created with our own hands. And it causes great confusion for many. Many say, well, you believe this and she believes that and he believes this and they believe that you know, on and on. But the God of all creation, he revealed himself in Jesus Christ. 
And he doesn't dwell in temples made by man's hands. He doesn't dwell in our buildings that we make. He dwells within our hearts. But before he comes and takes up residence within us, he calls us, like it says there in verse 30, to repent. And this word, repent, seems to be conveniently left out of most most preaching today. But God will someday judge this world by Jesus Christ. We need to repent. We are called to lives of holiness, being set apart from this world. Look at verse 31. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, capital M, that's Jesus, whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. You know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central point of Christianity. Without the resurrection, we have a dead Savior. But with it, we have the God of all creation. And we can have a personal relationship with him. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we might as well go ahead and make our own gods out of gold and silver and stone. But since he is risen from the dead, we have a living Savior that takes up residence in our hearts and we can commune with him. We can have a personal relationship with him. That's why I keep pointing you back to just knowing the word of God for yourselves. And if you've gotten caught up in just sitting in that pew, sitting in that chair, and there's no spiritual growth within you, you're feeling dry and dead. I believe the Holy Spirit is shaking you up and saying, get up, repent, Get into the word of God. Be led by the Holy Spirit yourself. Verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. You know, today the same thing exists. Some mock, which quite frankly, I once did. Others will say, well, we'll think about it. We'll come back here tomorrow. We'll talk some more about it. You know, it's hard for people to repent and turn from the things of this world. People hate that word. None of us like that word, repent. But it simply means just turn. Do a 180. Turn around. Turn to the living God. That's who you're turning to. We're not, you're not being called to, to turn to wood or to stone or to things that perish. You're being called to turn to the living God. And there is no greater thing than knowing the God of all creation loves you. He wants to walk with you through this life and throughout all eternity. Verse 33, so Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed among them Dionysus, forgive me for that, uh, pronunciation there, an Aeropagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So we saw there that some mocked, some wanted to think about it, but others believed. And I guess the question is, is where are you? As you listen to this podcast, as you read the Word of God here for yourselves, where are you? Which, which group do you belong in? Are you thinking about it? Are you mocking it or are you believing? The choice is yours, but 
He's as close as your breath. Cry out to Jesus Christ. Call on Him. Ask Him into your heart. Repent. Turn from the things of this world. It's the things of this world that have gotten you where you are today. It's the distractions of this world that has made some of you born-again believers spiritually dry. Turn. Turn to the living God and ask Him to, to fill you afresh. Well, God bless, guys. We finished up with 17. We'll see you on the next podcast in chapter 18. If you have any questions or uh, prayer requests, um, you can continue to email us at info at aloutreachministries.org. Um, and uh, you can, uh, anything, anything you need, any questions you have, let us know. We'll be glad to, to minister spiritually to you. God bless. Thanks for listening.